Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, July 16th. I'm Lorraine Caceres. These are today's headlines. As the coronavirus crisis escalates in the U.S., states across the country say they are running out of hospital beds. Miami-Dade County, the current epicenter, reporting soon no ICU beds may be left. A growing rift at the White House between the Trump administration and the nation's top infectious disease expert threatens to harm progress in battling the pandemic. And a conservative radio talk show host fired after she recorded herself yelling at landscapers for speaking Spanish. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus pandemic. Florida reporting another record-breaking 156 deaths in the last 24 hours and almost 14,000 new cases. This as Los Angeles County considers a new stay-at-home order and some states where cases are rising, taking measures and warning their residents they could become the next hotspot. With new weekly coronavirus cases rising in at least 39 states, the governor of Ohio warning his residents they could become the next hotspot, pleading with them to take precautions after reporting more than 1,300 cases on Wednesday. The tragedy that we see playing out on our television screens every day in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and California may well be our reality in just a matter of weeks. The good news is that this nightmare does not have to be our future. The state of Alabama issuing a new order requiring face masks. Violators could face a fine of $500, even jail time. Meanwhile, in Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp banning all city and county orders that go beyond state orders, requiring masks in public places, signing an executive order stating that residents and visitors in the state are strongly encouraged to wear face coverings as practicable when in public except when eating or drinking and exercising outdoors, overriding a previous order that gave local leaders the freedom to implement mask mandates. On Wednesday, Florida, Texas and California surpassing 10,000 new infections. These alarming trends reflect behaviors from three weeks ago, and it will take several weeks to see if our behavior now, including the rollback of previously opened sectors, slows the spread of the virus. Texas recording its deadliest day of the pandemic. Many hospitals are becoming strained and medical military personnel deployed to help care for the sick. Some of the staff that normally would work two or three days in a week, for example, the nurses, you know, they're working five, six, seven days nonstop and they are exhausted. So having an extra pair of hands to come in and help is really gonna make a difference. In Florida Wednesday, Miami-Dade County ran out of ICU beds. Once we start running out of things, we, you know, if we keep going on this trend, um, when we no longer have beds we can convert to ICU beds, that's very critical for each individual that needs that kind of care. With testing backlogs, the governor is pushing labs to have results ready in two days. If you have somebody go through one of the sites and then they get a result back 10 days later, uh, that is not really going to be very helpful. Meanwhile, in California, Los Angeles County Health Authorities warning of a second possible stay-at-home order. 
County official Dr. Barbara Ferrer saying we can't take anything off the table. There's absolutely no certainty of what exactly is going to happen next. And almost four weeks after the president's rally in Tulsa, the city council there now passing an ordinance requiring face coverings. And in recent months, we've seen the virus have a bigger impact on younger people. The average age of those hospitalized dropping dramatically from April to June. The percentage of people in the ICU who are 18 to 49 years old jumping 50 percent. And in Florida, some alarming new data about children adding to the bitter debate over sending kids back to school. Brenda Cancino has the story. As the fight over opening school wages on, alarming new numbers out of Florida showing 31% of children under the age of 18 tested for the virus were positive. The concern is that kids still can get infected, they can still transmit it, and if you put kids back into their natural habitat, which is schools and interacting with their peers, that sort of offsets the sort of lower ability to transmit, and then clearly that becomes like spreading a virus, you know, like wildfire through a school system and then brings that back into the community. So far, only 54,000 of the state's 4.5 million kids have been tested and hospitalizations in young children remain rare. There's a couple caveats that are very important here in that kids are tested differently than adults, so you expect higher percent positives. Kids with symptoms are more likely to be tested. It's, it's not as broad testing as, as it's in adults. Across the country, families are concerned about the children's safety. The virus hitting the Givens family in Minnesota especially hard after their father, Alex, contracted COVID. Four-year-old Deacon and four-week-old Harrison both testing positive. I'm going to be honest that... I thought it was a death sentence. Harrison spent three agonizing days in the children's hospital. His mother, Jenny, the only family member allowed in the room with him. Thankfully, he's back at home and recovering now, as the entire family isolates for the next two weeks. But even as infection rates grow, pressure continues for schools to reopen from the president and the governor of Florida. Schools in Florida hardest hit counties, okay. Miami-Dade and Broward, both opting to start the school year with a virtual learning until conditions improve. As long as the number of hospitalizations continue to increase, we are not in the position of reopening schools. It is actually counterintuitive and dangerous. Brenda Cancino, U News. And meanwhile, in Texas, the military is joining the fight against the coronavirus while major cities face a shortage of hospital beds. Pedro Rojas has the latest on the Lone Star State's battle against the pandemic. Hundreds of U.S. Army medical personnel are being deployed to hospitals in Texas and California, where the number of COVID-19 cases continues to reach new records. On Tuesday, 10,400 Texans have tested positive and 10,500 have been hospitalized. And then we could come in and leverage our knowledge base and their knowledge base, plus our civilian counterparts, and the unity of force has been remarkable. In Dallas, one of the cities with more cases, Luz Gandaria has been getting chemotherapy treatment at Parland Hospital one of the medical centers with a large number of coronavirus patients. We ask her if she's concerned about her health. Yes, I'm afraid to come, but I have to because my cancer is too far advanced, she says. Parlan Hospital's spokesperson told you news. Additional staff is our primary need as we see increased hospitalizations and we operate COVID-19 testing sites throughout the community. We anticipate any staff the state sent to help us will serve in a variety of roles. We all 
have the ability to overcome those challenges. Never give up. With this emotional message, Texas Governor Greg Abbott used his story of becoming disabled to motivate local residents. And while the cases of COVID-19 continue rising in Texas, hospitals are becoming the places to overcome the pandemic. This virus is winning and we need to take action now, says Harris County Judge Lina Hidalgo in Houston. South of Texas' border in Reynosa, Tamaulipas, Mexico, the situation has been described as complete chaos. And there are reports that there are no more hospital beds available. In Dallas, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. And the battle between science and politics over the coronavirus is continuing to heat up. Dr. Anthony Fauci speaking up publicly against repeated attacks from White House officials. Those attacks aimed at discrediting him as the country sees a surge in coronavirus cases. Andrea Linares has more. The nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, responding to scathing criticism put forward by some officials in the White House. Let's stop this nonsense and figure out how can we get our control over this now. Fauci's latest critic, the president's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, who has no medical experience at all. Navarro wrote this article in USA Today saying Anthony Fauci has been wrong about everything I have interacted with him on. I can't explain Peter Navarro. He's in a world by himself, so I don't even want to go there. And I think... If you talk to reasonable people in the White House, they realize that was a major mistake on their part because it doesn't do anything but reflect poorly on them. Peter Navarro's op-ed also comes after the White House's social media director posted a cartoon mocking Fauci on Facebook. The White House trying to distance itself from Navarro. One top aide saying in a tweet, the Peter Navarro op-ed didn't go through the normal White House clearance process and is the opinion of Peter alone. Well, he made a uh, statement representing himself. He shouldn't be doing that. No, I, I have a very good relationship with Anthony. But the president and Dr. Fauci apparently haven't spoken for weeks. My input to the president is now a bit indirect. It goes through the vice president. But clearly the vice president literally every day is listening to what we have to say. There's no doubt about that. Top Republican lawmakers appear to be on Fauci's side. What's your level of confidence in Dr. Fauci at this point? Uh, total. So I have all the respect in the world for Dr. Fauci. I think any effort to undermine him is uh, not going to be productive, quite frankly. Some within the medical community also backing Dr. Fauci. You know, um, he is our most trusted advisor. He can synthesize the evidence. He has access to the evidence and he has been delivering it with honesty and a timely fashion. Meanwhile, the Republican National Convention, which is to be held in Jacksonville, Florida next month, is scaling back due to coronavirus concerns. RNC Chairwoman Ronna Romney McDaniel informed members that it'll be limited only to regular delegates for the first three days. That means a crowd of about 2,500 people rather than the 15,000 originally scheduled. Attendance on the convention's final day will be capped at 6,000 and some events will be held outdoors. A new poll from Quinnipiac University found that only 30% of registered voters trust the information that President Trump provides on the coronavirus, while 65% say they trust what Dr. Anthony Fauci says. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News.
Thank you, Andrea, for that report. Meanwhile, a major shakeup in President Trump's campaign staff amid sinking poll numbers and less than four months before the election, his campaign manager has been demoted. Edwin Pitti joins me live from Washington, D.C. with the latest. Edwin, what happened? Lorraine, this is definitely a significant change within President Trump's re-election campaign. At this hour, I can tell you that Brad Parscall is no longer the director of the campaign. That's going to be the role now played by Bill Stepane, who has been named by President Trump in the last couple of hours. But this has been going on now that many national polls have been going out and making President Trump look bad. One of them has been done by Quinnipiac University that it is giving Joe Biden a 50-point lead over President Donald Trump. According to this poll, Biden has a 52% while Trump has a 37%. On another national poll done by NBC News and the Wall Street Journal, Biden having a 51% and Trump a 40%. But I can tell you the sources from the campaign are telling me that President Trump have been working on these changes for a long time since June 20th when he came back to the White House from that rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he ended up talking in front of a lot of empty shares. The sources are telling me that he was not happy the way the leadership within the campaign handled this situation. And he even asked people from the White House to go back to work in the campaign to start uh, making him look a little bit better in the midst of this situation. Now this announcement has been done by President Trump on his Facebook page and he's actually giving a lot of credit to Pascal and Stepain because he's saying that both of them did a good work back in 2016 during his first presidential campaign. So of course we're going to be following up because President Trump trusts that these two men working together will be able to push forward his re-election campaign. Reporting live from Washington DC, Lorraine, back to you. Thank you, Edwin Pitti, for that report live from Washington, D.C. And a new jobs report is out, and the numbers of laid-off workers seeking unemployment benefits remained stuck at 1.3 million last week. It's a historically high level that indicates many companies are still cutting jobs as the coronavirus crisis intensifies. The elevated level of applications for jobless aid is occurring as new confirmed cases of coronavirus are spiking across much of the Sun Belt, threatening to weaken the economic recovery. And in its second execution this week, following a 17-year pause, the U.S. government executed Wesley Perkey, a Kansas man who admitted to killing a Kansas City teenager in 1998. Justices Ginsburg, Kagan, and Sotomayor dissented in their opinion. The man's attorneys had argued he was mentally unfit for execution before of his, because of his dementia. But the U.S. Supreme Court detained, denied his application to stay the execution just before he was put to death. And nearly two months after George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis police, his family's attorney is filing suit against the city and police officers involved. Floyd's death gave fresh revelance to the Black Lives Matter movement, sparking protests across the country and around the world. And in many cities, protests continue now. Here's Grecia Lastra. His death sparked a movement and demands for justice. Now the family of George Floyd is filing a federal wrongful death civil rights lawsuit against the city of Minneapolis and the police officers involved in Floyd's arrest. But it was the knee of the entire Minneapolis Police Department on the neck of George Floyd that killed him. 
While charges have been filed against the four former officers implicated in his death, attorney Benjamin Crump says the goal of this suit is to serve a larger purpose. And with this lawsuit, we seek to set a precedence to make it financially prohibitive that the police won't wrongfully kill marginalized people, especially black people, in the future. Floyd's death is forcing a reckoning around the world over racial inequality and police brutality and shining a light on other black Americans killed by police. Including Breonna Taylor, who was shot eight times while Louisville police executed a no-knock warrant in a narcotics investigation. On Tuesday, protesters gathered outside the home of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, demanding justice. 87 protesters were arrested, including Real Housewives of Atlanta star Portia Williams, granddaughter of civil rights activist Hoesha Williams. This is Grecia Lastra for U News. A New Hampshire radio station has fired a conservative who recorded herself yelling at landscapers for speaking Spanish. In the video, that woman, Diana Plas, can be heard saying, it's America, you should speak English. Romina Leon brings us the latest on the controversy. Diana Plas was on her way to host her radio show at a local station in New Hampshire. On the way, she heard some gardeners talking in Spanish who were planting trees in the street. That made her angry and she scolded them while she recorded them with her cell phone. Excuse me, how come you're speaking Spanish? Because a lot of my friends here speak Spanish. But aren't they in America? Yeah. So shouldn't you be speaking English? She continues scolding them. Okay, but it is America. It is America, you should be speaking English. You should be speaking English. They work for the state. You should be speaking English. What do you work for? In an increasingly aggressive tone, she asked about the legal status of the worker. Still English. It's English. 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 Is anybody here illegal? Are these guys illegal? The woman complained because gardeners planted trees on a street where they used to be able to park cars. She said that it was communism. This is communism. Look. Then she attacked the worker's employer. So he has a private company that's speaking to the people in this company in Spanish. So look up this company and find out if they hire illegal aliens. A man who listened to the insults confronted her. What's, what's your problem? Are they in America? Yes. Okay, they should be speaking English. Why? Who said, what they why? should be speaking English. Because what? They should be speaking English. Are they illegal aliens? They don't speak the language? And in a more aggressive tone, she mocked the man defending really? okay. the workers. Okay, so this guy decided that he's going to come over here and be a social justice. He's a black man, and he's going to protect the brown man from this white woman. The woman was fired from her job, and the radio station that employed her said it does not tolerate racism. Then she posted this Don't video with a pro-Trump sign bit. and a cap with the words, women for Trump, and in a defiant tone, said that she welcomed the criticism with pride. Reported by Vilma Tarazona in Miami, this is Romina Leon for U News. More of you news after this short break. 
Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And here's a story that's been trending on social media. A six-year-old boy in Wyoming is being hailed as a hero by celebrities for saving his sister from a dog attack. Bridger Walker jumped into action when a German Shepherd mix charged toward his four-year-old sister. His family says while he was shielding her from the dog, the dog leaped and latched onto Bridger's cheek and he had got he had to get surgery and more than 90 stitches. Bridger's aunt posted the story on Instagram. Actress Anne Hathaway caught wind of Bridger's heroics and shared the story herself. The Walker family says other celebrities have now reached out to them, including Mark Ruffalo, Tom Holland and Hugh Jackman. And 10 adorable puppies rescued from a fire by first responders have taken St. Louis by storm. They're still too young to be adopted, but as Mariti Morungi explains, anyone who wants one is going to have to get in line. All right, little guy. Here you go, buddy. A tender touch by St. Louis firefighters caring for 10 adorable puppies rescued from the heavy smoke of a burning apartment building in St. Louis Friday afternoon. Captain Garen Mosby was at the scene. The next thing I know, uh, there are a lot of firefighters going in and they just start bringing out puppies. And, you know, it, it's tough to keep this white shirt clean. And anyone that knows me knows that. You know, I'd like to keep it clean, but they came out with the puppies and I'm like, I'll hold one. The animals were found in a kennel and had minor smoke inhalation, but loving care and oxygen got the bulldog puppies back to health. We put this up on our social media and there were, were a lot of questions about the condition of mom. Well, uh, mom got out and was, was in the backyard, and so mom is fine and the puppies were fine. I really wanted one. Uh, uh, negotiations didn't go very well at home. These firefighters, as you might expect. We always want to leave things better than how we found them. And if that means getting down in our gear and trying to revive these pups that need us at the time, that's what we're gonna do. Are courageous and caring. Mariti Morungi, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.